Here on the Lollygaggers Podcast, we believe it's never too late to try new things. Or in Justin's case, it's never too late to try old things that were recommended to you years ago. As this episode, he finally consumes the anime Berserk. Better late than never, I guess. Jeff, meanwhile, eyes Kickstarter once more for board games and jigsaw puzzles. Both Lollygaggers then look north for the semi-procedural drama Regenesis. Welcome to episode number 94 of the Lollygaggers podcast, a show about all sorts of different things from comics to games, movies, to TV. I am one of your hosts, Jeff. I'm the one, Justin. How's it going, man? Uh, it's going all right. Uh, just busy, busy, busy prepping some stuff. I, uh, I've been trying to like create my own character sheet in Roll20 today for like a different game I'm about to play. And I realized I am not good enough at this and this is going to take too long. So I quit. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, oh, like a completely original character? Uh, no, not like a completely... I, I was basically trying to adapt uh, a different game's character sheet because it's very similar, and I'm just, you know... And I got, like, most of it working, but there's, like, some stuff that's not working. But the problem is, is I don't know why it's not working because I'm not smart enough or knowledgeable enough in coding or whatever the hell it is that they call it. Uh, to uh, to to craft this uh, this character sheet. It's just like it's just I don't know enough to know what I did wrong. Like that's the problem because I'm literally just like switching stuff out. But I don't know. It's fine. I'll probably do it again because I'm a glutton for punishment. I do this all the time. I get into these little modes where I just gotta like work on this for like three days, knowing that I'm probably not gonna be successful. But yet I do it for three days anyway. So that that's that's what I've been doing. I've uh, had an equally complicated life uh, recently where uh, my wife has gotten me a Simpsons puzzle, which is very difficult. Um, You wouldn't think it would be, um, but there's a thousand characters on it and each piece is like an individual person. So it's been really a hard time for me lately to kind of deal with it. So I thought I would express that uh, strife with you as well. Okay. Uh, I hear that you've been watching a bunch of like old anime and stuff. Is that, is that, I, what you're I've been watching about? a lot, a lot. I've been watching a lot, a lot of stuff. Well, let's hear about it. Um, but I did dive deep down into a berserk rabbit hole. Uh, I'd That's say about three weeks ago. Um, well, cause you always talked about it. I was trying to find something that was action based and, um, and you've always said that you liked it and Melissa liked it. Yeah. So, so. like, when I first started dating my wife back in college, uh, she was very much into anime. I really wasn't at the time, so I started watching it too. And like the one that she really liked, she showed me was Berserk. And so I watched it, and then I was like, "What the hell's wrong with you?" Uh, that was disgusting and insane at the end. Uh, and uh, I'm like, I don't understand because because if you know my wife, she's like five foot nothing like a hundred nothing and like she's like this tiny little whatever and yet she's into like this crazy demonic like i don't know what the hell happened at the end of that i still don't know it gets real messed up at the end it gets pretty Uh, messed up so it's like but i I actually really liked it so it's all good i would attribute that thing kind of like to an akira thing even though akira gets like super bonkers i remember when you asked me and i told you like jeff i'm gonna watch akira (laughs) you're not gonna get it i'm like i'm gonna get it you think you are i got it I'm watching like 98% of the movie. I'm like, this is, I get it. They created a God. What's, what's so hard to understand about this last five minutes of the movie? What the hell just happened? And you were right. So I watched um, Berserk. It came out in 1997. 
and your main protagonist is Guts. Guts is has was fabled to, and I they go deeper into it in the manga, to have been born from a woman who had died and was hung. So he basically is almost like the spawn of of demon offspring. So he's raised by a man, and I forget his name, I think it was uh nuts, I forget what his I name will was not it. be able to help you because it's been it might have like been Corcus. I think it was Corcus, I can't remember. But uh he was raised by a man who kind of like raised him by fire and, and brimstone and basically like taught him to fight and be a warrior, but he also hated him because he felt like he was the reason why uh, his wife died and all that stuff. And so he eventually kills that man and he's kind of like got a really bad off uh, upbringing. The story kind of follows him and his, I guess, recruitment by a man named Griffith who runs this legion of mercenaries who kind of help out the country and conquering other factions of, of, of warriors. The whole season is about 25 episodes long and Basically, what happens is Griffith gets kind of like so Griffith Griffith gets uh, captured, and when he gets captured, he is tortured almost to death, uh, really horribly. Like they slit his uh, his Achilles tendons; he can't walk. He's just basically a, a shell of a man. And all Griffith ever wanted was to be the ruler of everything. Like he's a guy who, That's who grew it? up from. Yeah, yeah, that's all. Small, small thing. Okay. He grew no one, up from no one was alarmed by that, you know? Like yeah, that. the okay. power-hungry nature of it, no yeah. one's. Um, he even made a deal with, the, with, I guess, a demon or the devil to try and accomplish this. And he goes through step after step to try to, like, do this. He, like, makes a leader fall in love with him. He topples armies, does all these things to become a, a little nothing nobody to try and become the ruler of the land. And it doesn't go well. He eventually gets caught, and they 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 beat the, the piss out of him. And right when he is at his last rope, a blood moon occurs, like a, a, a eclipse occurs, and the demons that he made his deal to basically want to cash in. And so there's like there were five angels, and they wanted to make him the sixth angel. And by angel, I mean like demon things. And they erupt from the ground and these armies of demons come out. And there's like a sub story with Guts and this woman named Casca who Casca had a love for Griffith, but Griffith only cared about power and, and conquering. So he never really paid her mind and Guts and Casca fall in love. But Casca always had a, you know, she always had love for Griffith. So the anime is only 25 episodes long. And this is really short. And at the end, it takes a real hard uh, left turn. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I remember that these, left turn. Because so, it's it's all kind of like battling and yeah. uh, army stuff. It's actually yeah. really, really good battle scenes of like uh, cavalrys coming through and fighting and stuff. And then it's like, you know what? Let's have a demon rape scene. I'm like, okay, well. Um, so basically the entire group gets murdered by these demons and Griffith gets transformed kind of like metamorphosizes from human into angel and turns into this mega demon 
takes Casca, and there's a, a, a pretty graphic rape scene um, at the end where he's having sex with her while Guts is held. Like, Guts is the only one who's alive at this point because he's the only one who kind of like can survive this onslaught. He's had his arm removed, his eyes gouged out, and he's basically being torn to pieces, and he has to sit there and watch this thing happen. It's very, it's very visceral. Um, what I forgot to mention was the, the show starts off with Guts has one, has one arm, he has one eye. Yeah, it's all a flashback. Yeah. yeah, he's he's hunting demons across the the world, and he and he has a his goal is to eradicate the world of demons. And so you kind of see at the end why, like why he has this desire to do so. And then the show just stops, um, right after a, a a horrific scene of demons and rape and stuff. Sure. And I was like, okay, well, where's the second season? And I did a little research, and it turns out there were three movies made in 2012. Yeah, um, the golden something, the something. golden age yeah. arc. There you and go. I and I started watching them, and I was like, oh, it's just it's the it's the anime. It's just the anime redone. Yep, kind of compacted down and made into a you know it's better. Sometimes it's better because old anime looks good, but this new anime is a mixture of like anime and some like cgi which looks okay it's fine um and it's basically the whole story again but they add a little bit onto the end of it and um surprise to me during that final scene they show some um very x-rated things they go a little bit more detail if you will uh with that specific scene with uh casca and griffith when he's a demon and uh guts gets kind of called upon by this other angel of death to basically now become this arbiter of destroying all demons within the realm, which kind of like ties it all together. So I'm like, okay, I thought there'd be more here. There's nothing there. So I, I keep looking. There was a new, a new season came out. Season two came out in 2016 and it was terrible. It was just awful looking and garbage. And I watched a, a little, a little uh, YouTube video about why it's because there was two different animation studios put together and they never figured out really what they wanted to do. And they were bound by time and budget. So it's a mixture of hand-drawn anime and 3d modeling. And it looks like garbage and it is universally hated by the people in the community that watch the read berserk and all stuff. Um, and what that is, that is a literal lead off from the end of the first uh, season and kind of follows him in his quest to kind of destroy the, the evil that is around the world. So I was, I, all the stuff I read is like, don't watch this. It's going to make you vomit. It looks awful and the story is bad and the voice acting is bad too. So I'm like, okay, I skipped that. And I went straight to the manga. So. I bought three mangas on Comixology, and those came out in 2017. So they're only three years old, which I found to be bonkers that this second season of information didn't come out until 20 years after the first one came out because the first one was supposed to be a contained story, and that's it. But to me, it's still the end is like, the end is like, holy moly, this is it. Like, that's all they planned on doing. But 
really the end was supposed to lead back to the beginning and explain to you why he's he is the way he is um and then it's supposed to be a mystery of him going out and destroying the evils of the world but it's only supposed to be designed for one one series so i started reading the comics um or the mangas it is written by kentaru miura and art by kentaru miura the art is hit or miss um Sometimes the proportions aren't super great, but it is a manga style, so sometimes you know he has certain looks to it. The first manga is basically the first story in the first episode, where he goes and hunts down that uh, snake king. But it goes into a much deeper length and a much uh, more, I guess, violent uh, story and arc. Um, then. I read the second manga. That is a direct follow-up after what had happened in the movies or the manga. Because now you're you're figuring out who he is, what's happened, why does he have this big black sword he follows around with, and he starts making new friends. I, I didn't get through the whole thing. I've been spoiled with a whole bunch of stuff. Apparently, he converts back Griffith at some point, and the manga is about forgiveness and and uh and grievance and all this stuff and you know the stuff he's gone through even though his arm was torn off and his eyeball was ripped out um and you know dealing through hatred and anger and stuff like that but overall the idea is really interesting but it is also really horrific at the end it is you see people's skin get peeled off you see People get bifurcated. It takes a really hard turn. Even though I will say throughout the entire show, he cuts a lot of people in half. He himself uh, cuts cuts a lot of people in half because um, he's got a giant sword. What else would you do? Um, so it was. I, I think overall it was entertaining. It was good. I've. I don't think I had really any problems with it except for it's pretty graphic at the <laughs> at the end it's of that. Too first much season. for you, huh? It's just too it's, much. It, there's a certain particular parts and they go really deep into it with uh, the movies because they take more time with it. And, you know, it's 2012 animation, 2014 animation. And they, they really kind of push that line between anime and another genre of Japanese animation. Uh, so that's the only thing about it. But I like the story. Well, I think Guts is kind of a really fun, cool character where he's just like, I, my job is to murder and kill. I was raised for that. And the ramifications for my actions are the horrors I have to follow through in my life, which is really interesting. Um, and you just kind of want to see the guy not be tortured, a tortured soul anymore, but he's got one job and, you know, during his first life, which is, to help out this army and his next part of his life is to eradicate the world of this evil that people are unaware of, which I thought was pretty cool. And along the way, he's trying to learn his humanity back and like to be a normal person again. But uh, yeah, it's an old series, but the stuff's still coming out and they, they still have um, mangas releasing regularly because it's a really popular title. Um, there's really nothing I've ever seen that's been like it. I've never seen an anime about like regal, you know, infantry 
you know like it's literally about medieval times they're an infantry on horseback a cavalry that goes and fights other cavalries i've never seen anything like it in, in, in yeah but i would be careful with stressing it right there because you are not an avid and uh, well uh, read and watched sure so i'm saying like for me okay. it's it's a very unique there was an inflection was, was there is an inflection like this is the only one that's ever done it and i would well, if there was, I didn't mean there to be. Just for me, I, I, I've never seen anything like it. Um, the closest thing kind of to it, I would say that I've experienced, which I still haven't gone really deep into, is probably Goblin Slayer. But that's more of like a... Goblin Slayer is more of like a D&D type of thing where it's like they go on a quest and they go try and do something. So, uh, But yeah, uh, you can watch the TV series. I watched the whole thing on YouTube. Uh, and they haven't taken it down. I think I'm pretty sure it is kind of like a copyright material, but they have to. Get it down. Yeah, I would. I mean, like, I don't know. Is it legal on YouTube? Like, if it's legal on YouTube, then fine. But if it's I, not legal, I on I'm YouTube, not sure. Don't go I'm watch sure. it on YouTube. Watch it on. But if you don't want to watch the whole first, like, like uh, the whole first season, if you just watch the Golden Arcs, they're all on Netflix. The Golden Age Arcs one, two, and three, which is the first season, is all on Netflix. Um, and it covers everything. It just doesn't go into depth of certain characters as much. Because instead of being 25 episodes, it's six hours of movies. And then the volumes of Berserk, you can find them at your local comic book store, which are probably uh, harder and harder to get into these days. Probably, maybe, hopefully getting a little bit better. Um, and, or you can find them on Comixology. And they're all about 13 bucks each. And usually they're about 250 pages each. So they're decent reads. Um, I also had to look up how to read a manga. So, like, how, how do you actually read the pages of a manga, which is interesting. So anyways, that's berserk. Uh, that's what I kind of went into. It was very interesting. And, uh, that's all I gotta say about that. Cool. Uh, so I've been staring at Kickstarter here and, uh, questioning whether or not I should back a few things. Uh, I want to go over a couple of stuff I'm looking at. Cause I think there's some cool, sh- cool stuff up there right now. One of them's ending in six days. And this is actually of some interest to Justin, uh, so this is by Renegade Games, and it's called Renegade Games Puzzle Series. Uh, so this is basically a series. puzzle series? Yeah, exactly. So a oh th- thousand piece puzzles, but they're a thousand piece puzzles of artwork from their various other products. Uh, so it's it's like, t- so for instance, Could you send me the link, please. I would be more than happy to do so. So it's got uh, it's got four different games that it's putting together or that's taking art from for complete, you know, for this actual uh, uh, for this actual Kickstarter campaign. Uh, two of them are board games and two of them are, uh, are role playing games. And, you know, you might be familiar with some of them, uh, but the role-playing games uh one of them i actually talked about a while back on the uh on the podcast it's called Overlight, uh and then the other is called kids on bikes uh, kids on bikes is in the stranger things type of territory uh, it's not exactly the same thing but it's in that uh and then the board games that uh, are referenced in the uh in the campaign are arboretum which is this beautiful uh game about trees and uh, Raiders of the North Sea, which is part of this trilogy of games uh, of all the North Sea. So there's like Raiders of the North Sea, Explorers of the North Sea, and Reavers of the North Sea. I can't remember what the third one is. But oh, yeah. It, I, I definitely want to back this. Yeah. So uh, so basically, there, there's no games in this one. It's literally just you, you're just putting together puzzles. Uh, but one of the things with board games over the past several years is 
the artwork has just gotten so incredibly exceptional. Uh, I think if you play game, you know, if you played board games 15, 20 years ago, like there were some games that had some decent art, but over the past five to 10 years, as board gaming has seen this huge golden age, this huge boom, um, one of the things that has really happened to them is that they've started to invest more in production, you know, and part of that production is artwork. And so you're seeing some incredibly high quality artwork uh, in all of these these games that uh, that restoration games is pulling from. So putting together these puzzles uh, looks pretty fantastic. Uh, Raiders of the North Sea is like a Viking game. So you're going to be putting together uh, pictures that have to do with like this really big, this really big Viking dude who's kind of going through, uh, going through treasure. Uh, the Arboretum one, you get to put together uh, this, this, uh, this picture that has to do with this beautiful purple, uh, p- purple um, tree. And then uh, Overlight is kind of this, uh, this sort of sci-fi fantasy, a little Afrofuturism type stuff going in it as well. Like uh, it's about floating islands. Uh, and there's a baboon. Yeah. And there's, there are like different types of uh, different types of species. Like if you want to to learn more about it, definitely take a look. I have unfortunately not had a chance to play the game yet, but I remember uh, looking at it a long time ago and wanting to play it. I have so many games on my list right now. It's hard to get to it. And then kids on bikes as well has uh, kind of a cartoonish nature to it. So like the imagery, the artwork is all just spectacular. They're all a thousand piece puzzles that that's interested in you. Uh, they also all include posters in the box uh, that uh, are, Something like 20, I'm looking at the Kickstarter here, 26 by 19. There's resealable plastic bags. Justin's more of a puzzle guy than I am. Uh, Some of these also include promo cards for the games themselves. So uh, like Arboretum, for instance, you can get a Cherry Blossom promo card, which is this beautiful beautiful tree game. Uh, And it's got like this this pinkish tree. And then uh, the Raiders, there's also five promo cards for that. And that's included in every single pledge. Now, the different types of pledges that you can take, uh, you can take a, you can take the pick one. Uh, pick one is you pick just any one of those four puzzles that you want, uh, and that's 20 bucks, and then you get the promos with that. Um, and uh, I think you get the promos because it should say pick one. Yeah, so it's with every pledge. And then there's pick two, which is 40, and then there's all in, which is 65. So like the best you know bang for your buck is the all in because you're getting four puzzles for 65, whereas the other ones you're basically spending 20 bucks a puzzle. So there's definitely value uh, in getting the, the sort of $65 level. Uh, but the artwork is absolutely fantastic. Plenty of promos. So kind of if you're if you're a board game collector as well. Uh, and uh, Restoration Games is a pretty awesome company. Uh, I have other games by them. Uh, I've talked about other games by them on the podcast. So uh, this is the type of company that delivers on their Kickstarters. You don't have to worry about anything like that. Uh, so I would definitely encourage anybody who likes puzzles and maybe likes board games and role-playing games to take a look at that. And so between... Jeffrey, are, we, are we switching to a puzzle podcast? Uh, we, I think that's what can we do a puzzle podcast? I don't even really do Let's a ton of puzzles. Deep into jigsaw puzzles. I mean, why not? I do, I do puzzles and I like puzzles. I don't really do jigsaw puzzles all that often, but that's fine. I know you like it. That's why I put it on my list. <laughs> the other thing I put on my list, Justin, is also something that we can, we can reminisce about as well. Uh, so there's another game up on Kickstarter. I'm looking. Is it at. the movie Heat? It is not the movie Heat. I want to talk about it now. We got to stop referencing. Ugh, we're just stealing his his his, his content. Uh, so the game is uh, is Conan the Sumer. God damn it, Conan the Sumerian, uh, the Tower of the Elephant. Oh yes, thank you. Yes. So not only does Dustin do a, a pretty fantastic Arnold Schwarzenegger impression, uh, who uh, we most people know played Conan in the original two Conan movies, uh, and not only that, but Justin and I used to play a uh, an MMO called Age of Conan. That game was so much fun. I love that game. And so brutal and so funny. And so incomplete and bad in so many other areas. But gosh, it was just so oh, yeah. fun. Oh, yeah. It wasn't a complete game. It, it's like alpha level game. 
it had like, some really good ideas, but it never yeah. really pan, you know, like, but like we, we played it a ton. So it was an MMO and I don't want to get into the MMO too much, but all I remember is the most fun that Justin and I had is because there was like, there was collision in the game. And so you could, and you had like full little physics combos. and full knockbacks. Yeah. And so you had like knockbacks and combos. So Justin and I would like duel on top of cliffs and then we just knock each other off or we'd run around uh, like for PVP and see if we could just like trap people and knock them off cliffs and just to kill them. It was a lot of fun. Uh, but this is not a uh, this is not an MMO. This is a board game slash video game. I'll get into that in a second. So uh, the actual game itself, the the board game itself, is a one to two player game. So you can play it solo, uh, or you can play it with one other person. And if you do that, it's essentially versus. Uh, and so one person plays Conan, and then uh, you're either playing against the AI of the game, or you're playing against a person who's controlling. Uh, the twisted wizard Yara, who's casting spells and doing all sorts of different things, uh, and the whole idea is that you're 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 moving up this tower. Now, the cool thing with this game is that there's like this paper craft stuff going on in it. So it's not just an empty board; it's quite literally a 3D tower uh, with all these tiny little you know sh- uh, paper craft shoebox type things that have the different tiers of the towers in them. And so you can kind of lift off, and you can actually see. The tactical, uh, the tactical room or level of the tower that you're in as you're fighting all the baddies and doing what you got to do. And so as you continue to move up the tower uh, and get through it, like you're fighting, you know, new and new levels with different, diff- you know, with different artwork, uh, different arrays of of enemies, etc. Uh, it's also got savable features too, so it's pretty easy to kind of keep track of like where you are. So if you can't play the whole thing in one sitting, you can go ahead and uh, and you know just kind of save it away. Uh, it's effectively a dungeon crawl is, is is effectively what it is. So if you're a fan of, you know, that kind of game, if you're a fan of Conan and if you're a fan of the old awesome story tower of the elephant, uh, this is definitely a good pledge for you. Uh, it's thirty nine bucks, which is pretty cheap. Um, now, the interesting thing, and it's a little late to get the early bird on this, uh, but the other interesting thing is in addition to this particular game. Uh, part of it, there are on the on the Kickstarter page for this uh, for this particular uh, campaign. There's also reference to Conan Chop Chop, which is a video game. Uh, there's this amazing video uh, from E3 uh, 2019. You can actually just find the video if you just Google it. So look up Conan Chop Chop, and then it's E3 2019. And it's kind of like if, if if anyone's ever played Fat Princess before, Fat Princess is one of my favorite PlayStation games of all time. Uh, it's got a kind of artwork style to it. It's a bunch of chibis. So it's like chibi Conan and stuff running around. It's super bloody, but in like a kind of kind of colorful, cool way. Castle Crashers is another uh, to me uh, equivalent of this, and kind of the almost comical so bloodiness. Like cyanide, almost kind of. Sure, yeah, cyanide and happiness, kind of that kind of art style. If you want to, if you want to kind of think about that, uh, but that one, this particular one, is a is a quote uh, epic hack and slash roguelite for one to four players, and so you are moving around the world of uh, of Conan and you have a bunch of different uh, uh, folks that you can play as and there's a variety of different things that you're doing and you're just running around hacking and slashing. It's a total hack and slash. It's not like super tactical or anything like that. Uh, if you were to have popped on uh, quick enough, you were able to actually not only get the board game, but also get a, a free uh, version of this. Now, the game itself is also going to be coming out like the video game itself. You can you can 
you can get it once it becomes available, I'm assuming on Steam and some of the other uh, usual platforms. Uh, so it's pretty cool. Uh, and if that isn't enough, uh, in addition to this, there's also like other ways that they're incorporating other Conan media. So uh, like Modifius uh, has Modifius Entertainment, which is um, a lot of people know as like RPG uh, tabletop type stuff. Uh, they uh, they have the Conan uh, RPG rulebook, which is going to be uh which has been unlocked uh, so that have the ability to kind of get that as well. So there's like all sorts of just different Conan content here. Uh, there's more scenarios that they're going to be using for the Conan games. There's like uh, the, there's the tower of the elephant, there's venom. And so you're seeing a variety of different things that you're going to be able to get. So if you're a big fan of Conan, uh, you're able to get all sorts of different content here. You're able to get the board game, you're able to get the video game possibly, and you're able to get some other role-playing content as well and some extra scenarios and such uh, for uh, for the game. So lots of cool things. Uh, I'm a fan of Conan. Uh, I, you know, I really miss Age of Conan. I wanted it to do so well. There were a lot of, a lot of MOs back in the day that uh, that's, I think just, we, we didn't really pay attention to enough because World of Warcraft was in its like, glory days you know and so games like that and secret world and a few others i think unfortunately didn't get the attention they deserved uh there's other things that they're going to be doing and uh they're going to be adding inform you know stuff for the other uh conan board game which is like this big uh, monolith board game uh that's more of a uh that's got miniatures and stuff involved in it as well uh so there's all sorts of things it's a it's a crazy it's a crazy Kickstarter campaign because it's just all Conan all the time. Uh, and so if you have any interest in, in Conan stuff, go for it. Uh, I do know that there's an interest, I think, in them having some miniatures for the uh, the, the actual board game, the Tower of the Elephant, that they're the, that's the primary product in this campaign. Uh, I think there's interest in doing that, but the default is just sort of paper standees. Uh, so anyway, uh, take a look at it. It's uh, Conan the Sumerian, the Tower of the Elephant. What is best in life? Uh, a peanut butter sandwich no, and no, a cold no, glass no. of milk. You're wrong. Is to crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and to hear the lamentation of the women. Yep, that that sounds about right. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so anyway, uh, take a look at that. It looks pretty cool, and uh, we will now move on to our uh, our focus of the week. So Justin and I have been continuing to look at older television as uh, the networks and the stream services these days aren't necessarily able to get brand new content out as quickly as they used to uh, for obvious reasons. So we've been exploring all sorts of other things. Uh, we started by looking at like 80s and 90s, uh, but now re- more recently we've expanded with the uh, with HBO Max and others to start looking at early 2000s. Uh, last episode we looked at Carnival. Uh, this episode uh, we were struggling to actually find something to watch. And uh, I noticed on Amazon uh, some uh, a, a show popped up for me. I don't know if it was brand new on on Amazon Prime Video or if it's just I didn't notice it before. Uh, but it's a Canadian uh, television show uh, from the early two thousands with Ellen Page. Uh, it's called uh, it's called Regenesis. And so I was like, you know what? Let's do it. Let's take a look. Uh, and I was like, hey, it's got four seasons in it, so it can't possibly be terrible. They managed to renew it multiple times. How bad? Could it be? It can't, it can't be that bad. And I'll say that. I don't think it's terrible. Uh, like, we'll get into it in a minute. So the basic premise of the show is that it's got a lot in common with, like, CSI, uh, except instead of instead of investigating forensic crimes, like specific murders and things like that, they are doing their crazy 
their crazy investigation and lab work into looking at a variety of uh, viral and other bio-related terrorism and things like that. So the the first couple episodes of the series have to do, uh, and it tends to string along throughout the course of the season, uh, have to do with this manufactured virus that's plaguing uh, North America. Uh, and there's other ones that have to do with cloning, for, in- for instance, and stuff like that. Uh, so it's got a little component of science fiction to it, but it's still kind of based some to some degree in in science fact. Uh, so the the kind of the idea is that they all work for the 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 organization that they revolve around is Norbac, uh, which is the North American Biotechnology Advisory Commission, uh, and so it incorporates people from the U.S., people from Canada, people from Mexico, and they all kind of work together to investigate various issues that crop up. On North America, it's very, I mean, that's a very positive viewpoint of it. And it's early 2000, 2004, I think this first came out. Uh, so it stars Peter Outerbridge as David Sandstrom, who is basically the lead scientist uh, of the entire thing. So he runs the show. Uh, it's got got a couple other faces you might recognize from other science fiction shows as well. Uh, but the most notable name is probably Ellen Page, uh, a very young Ellen Page, who plays uh David Sandstrom's uh, uh, daughter. I, I was going to say a strange daughter, but she kind of shows up uh, at the very beginning of the show and begins to live with him. Uh, and so that's the sort of general gist of it. In addition to there being the science aspect of it, there's also a lot of investigation components to it as there's like former CIA type people that are working there and the combination of that and the the science, like they're doing investigation into bioterrorism and other types of things. That's the premise. Uh, now, the show mixes, I would say, you know, the the crime of the week with overarching storylines. It's a, it's this interesting mix. It's not, things aren't perfectly summed up at the end of an episode. So what often happens in, for instance, like a CSI, like I mentioned before, is that they introduce the crime at the very beginning. And by the end of the hour, they've solved that crime. That is not the case thus far, at least in the first season that I've watched now with Re- Regenesis, that they introduce the crime or the issue. It's not necessarily a crime. It's just a mystery, usually uh, some sort of some sort of medical mystery. And then those storylines overlap over the course of a couple episodes. It actually reminds me a little of NYPD Blue in terms of its structure and how cases are cases have a tendency to to spread over a series and then they overlap each other so there's there's never just like that one neat tiny fix i actually like that about the show uh that we're not fitting everything perfectly and that we're able to kind of look at uh multiple things at once and we're juggling different storylines uh plus the the first episode of season one begins uh, with like a six-month flashback or a, a six-month jump back in time. So we start by seeing David Sandstrom, who's on the phone with somebody. He's like walking on his bike. He's talking about how he screwed up. He screwed up, so he screwed up. And suddenly we have a six-month flashback, and that's where the show begins, truly begins, uh, because we're going through all this stuff he comes up with. So there, that does get paid off at some point. So anyway, that's Regenesis, a basic overview. Uh, Justin, what did you think? And how far did you get? I watched first four episodes. Um, and so a few things about it. Um, Ellen Page is super young in this, and it's weird to see a super young Ellen Page, uh, especially in Ellen Page that still talks the way she does in current stuff, too. It's really weird. This show is very vulgar. They, they throw F bombs and they say shit constantly. 
Well, I should say, by the way, that this is produced by the Movie Network, which is effectively like, like their HBO. It's right? exactly. It's like an it's like a Canadian Showtime HBO type of thing. Yeah, it's a premium channel. So there there is a lot of swearing in this show. Like it's not that lot. bad. Like I mean, I watched Deadwood for crying out loud. Like that, I haven't heard a c word yet. We're okay. Like a couple f bombs here and there. Which, which I just think it's kind of weird because it's kind of like this, like you said, like a CSI type. So for me, it's just kind of strange to think of like a like a CSI with people constantly saying shit all the time. <laughs> it's just, it's I think just, you're overstating it. I really don't it think they say feeling. it nearly as much as your ears. Like I I don't know. Like like it happened a couple times, but like that's about it. But overall, uh, I thought the show was was fine. Um, and I'm, I'll get a little deeper into that. Um, the the sound is not great. Um, at times, oh they, my god, you're blast. hitting! Oh, geez, you're hitting right on it. Like yep. they blast music, or, or so jump it right into it. Okay, so listen. Not only that, because there are times, for instance, when like uh, coming back to his apartment where the the stereo is on and stuff. Like there's that, and then in the car, etc. My bigger issue with the sound is that the transition scenes, the transition montage scenes, you know what I'm talking about? And then the the tonal mood music that often plays in these types of shows where they're like, look how serious we're being with our investigation. And as we're like, you know, shaking little beakers and stuff filled with Kool-Aid uh, to, to suggest our, our, our research, that tonal like that tonal music holy crap and it's intrusive like it does get better i will say this like the further along i do think they settle it down but man was that really like intrusive in the beginning i was like holy crap settle down okay we don't have to have this now this is not necessary especially if there's characters talking if there's characters talking please don't have the transition music it's crazy the most abundantly used music was like the transition music it's like this Spanish type of uh, guitar music going on. I'm like, man, this sounds so familiar. And it was the, it sounds just like the Legend of Zelda or the Ocarina of Time music where you go to like to the Garuda village or whatever like that. I have no idea. I've never played it. So uh, I was like, oh my yeah. God. I was just like, anyways. So that's one of my bigger complaints of the, of the show. Um, I thought the overall idea of the show was pretty cool. Um, you don't really see that type of thing. Like if you're doing CSI, they go to the lab like for 10 minutes and that's it. The rest is like a whole bunch of other crap. Um, I thought it was cool. Like a little spin of, oh, we're talking about diseases and kind of like, and it's also kind of uh, relevant towards the first two episodes are like almost like straight out of what's going on right now with, with COVID. It had a weird, yeah. Like the, like there is a scene with like a it was like a, a press conference and like one of the one of the people were talking one of the scientist types but like not one of the real scientists and they made jokes about like washing hands and stuff i'm like oh man i didn't even mean to like don't even take it seriously out. oh god like, you guys understand this is important oh my god yeah it was and so it weird. was also it was also like a arithmetic i don't know if that's the right word uh disease too like it, it came out respiratory wise but i'm like wow this is pretty it's pretty crazy how how much this is aligning um so i thought that was pretty interesting um and the way they kind of like you said the way they kind of like create like there's these self-contained stories that still kind of bleed into each other i thought was pretty good um some complaints i have a show yeah i got a show clearly is a fan of 24 and their split screen and the editing in this show is 
bonkers uh with split screens yeah reverses uh flashbacks flash forwards so there's two uh, things there's two there's, so there's two mechanics happening. there's two there's two mechanisms that they often they they pull to one of them is just instead as like the split screen meaning we see we see picture in picture is what's going on we see we see the and same scene sometimes it's like yeah like two thoughts sometimes it's someone talking to someone across the table and sometimes like it's sometimes weird... it's a person's face with a shitty powerpoint presentation too which was like really <laughs> weird like i was just like why is this happening here yes which i thought i thought 24 because i did for sure where there was multiple angles of the same shot especially going into a commercial break or coming out of yeah, a commercial yeah, break yeah. to sort of set up and i get why they did it to sort of set up where everyone's at because in 24 it's just like we only have so much time and everything's supposed to be quote in real time but this show didn't really need any of that yeah it felt it felt unnecessary the second thing that they went to all the time was the the rewind like the literal rewind of like that a vhs so, but it's like a rewind of like four minutes they like, would yeah so like <laughs> So what often would happen is almost like a choose your own adventure type thing. You'd have two characters like like in, interact in some way and then one goes one way and that's where we follow them. So the camera follows them. The next scene goes to them. And then when that scene's done, suddenly we rewind and we get this weird uh, kind, uh, kind of like a black, not black and white, but like some sort of like vintage color changing. It's like all kind of like a faded photograph. And then we then we rewind and we watch everyone walking backwards the same point where they split those two characters split away. And now instead of going with the primary character to begin with now we see the next few minutes from the other character's perspective i it was it was weird like i got used to it i definitely got used to it and i was that one didn't bother me as much because they usually did it like once an episode at most the split screen stuff you know i just think it was something that kind of like you said was, 24 was influencing a lot of people yes in the, the 2000s yeah there was split screen there's also when I, when they're when the one of his lab assistants gets shot and then the final scene is like a tiny screen in the screen. I'm like, what? Yeah. Why are you doing some of these things? It's, it's, some of yeah. the editing choices are just so strange. I agree. Um, I agree. Like, I, I, I really think like the show itself, like the principle of doing like scientific investigation is always kind of cool. But like, I do think the production between the sound. They're really trying to badass it, it up, Yeah. You know? Like it was like, it was too, it was like trying to be all edgy and stuff. And it's just like, stop, you know, stop trying to make science cool, you know? And it's just and that like, leads directly here into we go. Yep. the big part. Here we when go. When you say edgy. Yeah. The lead character, David is he, the most miserable piece of shit I've ever followed in a TV show. He's, he is, he, mm, he's awful. He's house. If you've ever watched house. Yeah. But house, he's house. is, has, there's a redeeming quality. No, there isn't. No, there isn't. House is a house is terrible. Like house, like if you actually watch House and you watched all the way through, House should be in jail. Like House drove his car into Cuddy's freaking home because he was jealous and like she broke up with him. No, House is an irredeemable and I I I love I I, I love you, Lori, but no, no, no. Like House is a terrible character. I, I, I and this guy time. is just like him. I looked up time. I'm like, okay, when did this show come out? When did 24 come out? And I'm like, okay, this show came out four years after 24. That's why it's like that, right? I, I kind of understood that. Mm-hmm. Then I looked up, when did House come out? House came out the same year. It is, okay. it is interesting to me that both America and Canada came up with a dickhead character that is a know-it-all that comes with shit out of the blue. Yeah. And people just can't stand 
Like, how many times does he put his hands behind his head? Like, no, no, I can't be it. He's got to scratch the back of his head. Just got to find some chalkboard to start drawing oh, crap on. Man. Oh, don't have a chalkboard. Okay, I guess I'll use this window instead. A window you know? with this dry erase marker. <laughs> and like, what are you drawing out? You're just drawing out a picture of a cell. Like, it doesn't even yeah. make any sense. Like, it's just so. So there's other problems. Okay, awful. so He's so first awful. of all, first of all, the. This is not this is not new to House and new to Regenesis. The the notion of smartest smartest person, historically smartest male, which is a really frustrating part of it too, uh, is not new. Uh, we have talked, you know, and we, and we we still see it today. There's still plenty of shows that do this, uh, and we we've looked at shows, for instance, like. Um, uh, like Sherlock Holmes for crying out loud, you know, uh, you just watched Dracula uh, several months ago. Uh, same sort of principle where like the primary character, they're the smartest person in the room and they're going to be incredibly condescending and obnoxious about it. That's exactly what this guy is. Now, if that wasn't enough, the other problem is like there are so many aspects in this show involving that character that do not hold up well in 2020 when it comes to treatment of your fellow employees like this dude not only shouldn't be in charge of this particular lab but probably should be in prison like the things that he does to some of his characters and some of his friends the way he treats them the way he, he breaks he flaunts rules I'm just ah uh, yeah he's five years ago he's, yeah. he's a he's a cock He's just a cog. He's a bad guy. He's a, yeah, he's just not a good dude. He drinks all the time. It's just like, he doesn't pay attention to his kid. It's just like, Hey, they, it's just, they're, they're trying to figure out how can we make this guy look really terrible, but it's okay. Cause he's a genius. Like that's, that's, that's the principle of this model of show is that we're going to show an incredibly flawed character, but you know, he's a genius it doesn't matter you, how much you love iron man are. you love iron man this guy's iron man it's the same principle this is iron man right here and it's why i can't stand iron man because i hate those components i hate that kind of thing like i don't like characters that are awful to other people but we as an audience member are just supposed to sit there and take it and it's just not funny like he's not funny the thing with house is that house was often very funny and I think that was the one thing that you got from it is that he had these horrible, mean, terrible quips, but they were still funny at times. This guy doesn't have that. And that's nothing against the actor, by the way. I'm not, I don't I mean, uh, Peter Outerbridge, I've seen him in other things. He's perfectly he's perfectly good actor. But like, I don't like the way the character is written. Very off putting. And there are ep- there's an episode where he's got to hire a new virologist. And he, like he answer like he's 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 gonna have an interview with her and he answers the door like like they're having it in his hospital in his house in his hotel room like well no 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 don't do that then he answers the door in his boxer shorts like no 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 like what, what's going on and then like there's a variety of times where he's just sort of like coming on to her and yet she still takes the job and yet when they get back to the lab he's still kind of hitting on her. I'm like this is all so like gross like it just got it just gets to a point the lesson of the show is no matter how much of a piece of shit you are if you're smart you can have a job it's which fine. is fairly accurate like on sadly in a, in a very cynical way yeah so, but i don't want to watch that it's, right it's he's he's miserable also um there is two drops of the r word in the first episode which were very shocking because this show yeah is, i, I, I got like, those two. Oh, ellen page okay i was like uh, i know i was like what we're, we, we were using that in 2004 like i haven't used yeah, that in a long time so like what i think really is sure. really fun about these like, like looking back early 2000s it was a very weird time right um, like 90s, you can define it by like grunge and or early 90s, you define it by like loud colors. And like, I always think of like early 90s as like uh, wild and crazy kids. 
That's what I think of. Wild early colors. 90s is basically wild and crazy kids. That's early okay. 90s. 80s is like, you know, we all have like the 80s retro. You know, we've been going through it. But the 2000s, like these pixie haircuts and what? What are you talking about? Like these right really, now? like the 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 What's CIA wrong with pixie haircuts. It's just it was very 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 common back then. Was it? I have yeah. no idea. Dude. And just the co- the colors of clothes <laughs> and and what are you the way people talking acted. about? And the lighting of the show was so strange. It, was very, it shot out so hard 2000s to me. I don't know. I have to no me, idea what you're talking has about. has a very specific feel to it. To me, 2000, the 2000s to me have no specific feel to them. Like, they're not identifiable. Like, all those things that you talked about, I have no idea what you're talking about. But when it comes to, like, identify, identifying, like, the 90s, I definitely can do that. In the 80s, I definitely can do that. In the 70s, I definitely can do that. Even the 60s. But to me, the aughts, like, they feel very, I, I don't know. I don't know what we were doing. I don't know what the standards were. Maybe I just wasn't paying attention because I was in college the whole time and I was busy. But, like, I don't get it. Uh, but uh, anyway, getting back to the show, I'm surprised there wasn't someone like a metallic colored T-shirt or something. Because I don't know. I just what? I don't know. The 2000s are weird. I don't, man. I don't know. Uh, anyway, back to the show. I don't want to suggest that this is like a bad show, but I will say that it's a bit dated, specifically with how it presents its male lead. Uh, I, I, I just, I don't know. I just, I'm not into those types of shows anymore. And I don't That's know if I ever really too. was. Like, though it has problems, and there's problems like audio problems and editing problems, stuff like that, and main character is unbearable. It's still a super watchable show. <laughs> like I, it is. I, I was not annoyed by it. I was like, yeah, this is pretty good. And I could see myself as much as it, this is kind of like where that that genre of show of like your procedural shows, but even though it's kind of like a, a bit of a bleeder of procedural, it's very, very consumable and interesting at times even though the only other thing I, I forgot to mention was they really throw out the science words which make me feel like either i'm dumb or they're just coming up with it like the blip blorp on the, <laughs> on the seventh on the rna you know can't hit the strand like oh you just probably <laughs> right blip yeah blorp. it's just like these weird super large words i'm like yeah i know what he's talking about but I mean, like the show's very to yeah. me is very consumable like i'm like i wasn't bored I wasn't annoyed. The only thing I was annoyed by was like, God, this guy's kind of a jerk. But still, you kind of they do enough to kind of like separate you from his dickheaded dickheadedness to kind of like not ruin the show. Whereas, like, you know, I could probably see why this went four seasons because it's it's entertaining. You know, it's fine. Yeah, I I enjoyed watching it. So, yeah, yeah. I I I don't know how much I'm gonna keep watching it. Like, it's. It, oh, I'm not going to keep watching it, but I'm just saying, like, if if this was the time that if if it was 2004 and this show came out, I probably would have been someone that watched it week to week. It's, I watched a little of House and then I and then I got off that that train. Like, I actually didn't watch House when it first came out. I picked it up a couple years later because I just randomly got hooked and laughed a lot during a marathon. And I watched it for a couple of years, and I was like, never mind. Like this is terrible. I've watched the Sherlock Holmes uh, stuff with uh, with Benedict Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, but uh, I, I I don't know. I'm just I'm sort of tired with the uh, you know with, with the smarmy. I'm smarter than everyone, uh, I, so that means I can be a terrible person to everyone. Like that's why I've always like I said before hated Iron Man. The one show that I really liked it was Psych, and it was because 
he was he was kind of smart, but he always sort of mocked the whole reveal. Like they had to do like the whole Scooby Doo type of reveal thing that often these these shows do, or the you know I'm just sitting around, but then somebody else says something and oh you're a genius type of moment where like it suddenly clicks for them and like they do all that kind of stuff after a while. So they 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 pull on a lot of the same the same shtick that you're going to have seen in so many of these other types of shows. The question then is: Are the characters interesting enough? to warrant investing your time in it? And are the stories that they're exploring uh, interesting enough? And do they get resolved in a quick enough quick enough manner that you feel some sort of sense of resolution? I think the characters, I think that's a negative because I don't think anyone really stands out right now as great. Uh, even Ellen Page's character, I, I think she's Maker a teenager. Probably, probably the only one that they kind of like show some depth to. Cause yeah. Like, you know, your coworker and friend just died, and she right. shows a lot of like problems with that. Meanwhile, David's like, "Ah, move on." Whatever. Like, shut dick. You know, it's like yeah. she's the only one where just kind of like they're going into it. But like that—that's like a product of that time. They didn't really go in it. Like, how much of CSI do you know about any of the characters? Well, no, no, they did. Not- I mean, they have they they have their equation. You know, they have their formula where they would have like an opening scene where somebody would have something and then they'd have, you know, they'd have one or two people who would have their B stories and C stories throughout the course of an episode. And we'd learn a little bit, bits and pieces about them over the course of time. And then like, I would say that the other aspect of it is the mysteries themselves. Are they interesting enough? Yeah, actually, I would say those are a plus. So to me, I think the mysteries themselves, the plots and the mysteries of the science and what's going on are interesting. The characters, not great so far. And uh, I not I don't like the formula and I don't like the production. So um, overall, like it's okay. Uh, and if you're really looking for if you're if you're a huge fan of CSI, if you're a huge fan of House and those types of shows, then definitely check it out because it's up your alley. Uh, but if you're not a fan of those types of shows, you can probably pass on this one because it's pretty much the same stuff, just with a slightly different lens. That's all. All right, so uh, that's it for this uh, this episode. Uh, we are uh, continuing our look into the past. So if you have any ideas for what we can look at in terms of television, uh, I think we're trying to stay away from sitcoms just because, man, I just don't want to watch them. Uh, but uh, if you have any ideas, catch us on Twitter. I'm at LollygaggerCO. Justin's at Justin. You can catch us also at our website, thelollygaggers.com. Uh, you can see more of our content as well up there. Some of the actual plays and the other other podcasts that we produce, a lot of role-playing games that we create into these small dramatic shows. Uh, you can see Justin and I Thursday nights at uh, 7 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Central over on twitch.tv slash RPG as we play uh, a little role-playing game over there and have a little fun. So, uh, Justin, uh, I guess my, my question to you, and I was trying to think about it as a... Uh, as the episode progressed and uh, I decided to change it the last minute. So this one's, it's going to be a little clumsy getting out of my mouth here, but uh, this is what it is. If you were the center of a television show, much like uh, David Sandstrom's character was here and you were going to be like the expert who has to put everybody else down and, you know, and like you're the, you're the centerpiece. What would that show be about? Like, what is it? And like, you can't change yourself. This is you and you know, you alone, like, what and what universe and what sort of show and what kind of subject matter could you be the genius centerpiece that everyone turns to for answers, uh, despite not particularly caring for your personality? Jeffrey, I think the word centerpiece works quite well in this. I think my procedural drama would be based around uh, creating jigsaw puzzles. 
and we'd all be sitting around not knowing uh, what spot to go to next. I'd sit there with my hands on my head and like, okay, uh, we gotta do purple pieces next. Purple's probably the best way to go, uh, purple pieces. So that would be uh, my thing. I'm the know-it-all puzzler. I'm a dickhead to everybody, but you know what? I just know how to find that centerpiece. 